Today's episode is brought to you by Diane Kinlaw of Go Prime Mortgage and Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty. It was it was hard, I will say the least. There were times when the power got shut off because I couldn't afford to pay the power bill. And I just scraped pennies together and everything I could find resource-wise or finding babysitters so I could go to work. But you, I did it. Yes. You know, I stuck to it. And I found mentors along the way. I think that's, I wanted to share, like, I met three women who were engineers when I was in, I think it was like a junior in college. And it's like, what am I going to do with my life? Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Hey, hey, hey. I am Sarah Madras. And I am Jenny Midgley. And welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff. This is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. Yes. And today we have the illustrious Heather Davis with us. And I know this is uh, your first meetup with Heather, but Heather is married to my friend Dom. And we met through at one of Dom's networking events. And it was one of those like, you know, really positive instant connection kind of things. And Heather is like a super cool chick. Not only is she a girl who does stuff, like she has done stuff. And I'm going to let her kind of share her Because she's been telling me you're like next level genius shit going on over there. That like super. Oh, I I don't know. That's that's really a super big compliment maybe i'll develop up to the height but but yeah so heather was also the one that came up with the with the approached me with the she's like i love your podcast i would love to meet <gasps> that was you guys you. in person you and some of your guests that. in person yeah and to do yeah. like, that live event yeah. right that's where that started from was i was like we had a list i was at a networking event and one of the listeners suggested love that it. we have this opportunity for a live event which we hadn't really considered hadn't even thought of and it has now grown and then of course there was a fucking global pandemic but we're gonna work out <laughs> the details still gonna otherwise point. <laughs> yeah so but anyway so heather tell us about what you do and we're gonna kind of who you are and what you do my friend yeah. all right so i'm an engineer i work at the national institute of health i do maintenance engineering so i really help the guys on the ground who are fixing maintaining and operating it's kind of a cool story is how i got to this position and i think that's it's really that kind that awesome of a part. cool story. It okay, is like actually... a super awesome story of how, <laughs> like, as she was telling me, I was like lifetime movie in my head kind of awesome story. Like, now I really want to know, like, all right, strapping all right. in with my popcorn. So I'm from Montana, a little tiny town. I grew up just south of the Canadian border in the middle of nowhere. Like 2,500 people. And I think Walmart was an hour and a half away. That kind of remote location. Mm-hmm. I'm oldest of five kids. And when my, just before my youngest brother was born, my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I was nine or 10 years old, somewhere in there. And she has not, she has the bad MS. She doesn't have the kind that you're just like, oh, you know, take the medicine and get feel better. She's like in a nursing home now in, in her 50s. But she got pregnant with my youngest brother right after that in Austin had a stroke before he was born and half his brain died. 
So my family was struggling with two severely health issue people. And my dad owned a trucking company and you don't make money if you don't work. So they struggled financially and it was a hard, it was a hard childhood to say the least. There's a lot of stress and struggle and a lot of working together as a family to help each other out. Right. But so I got pregnant when I was a senior in high school. It was not the plan. It kind of just obviously just happened. I had this dream of going to college and being a first generation college graduate in my family. Mm-hmm. And I super focused on it. Like, just like, that's what I'm going to do. So I had my daughter in September after having graduated. And then we moved and went to college. So she came with me as a three month old baby. Her dad wasn't really a part of the picture, never has been. And I moved from my little town, Shelby, to Helena, Montana, the capital, and started college. That was probably the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life in a really cool way. So I found daycare and got college, started classes and trying to figure it all out and how to pay the bills and ended up with, you know, by the time it was all done, I worked, was working two jobs and going to school full time. And it was, it was hard. Mm-hmm. I will say the least. There were times when the power got shut off because I couldn't afford to pay the power bill. And I just scraped pennies together and everything I could find resource wise or finding babysitters so I could go to work. Right. But you, I did it. Yes. You know, I stuck to it. And I found mentors along the way. I think that's, wanted to share, like, I'd met three women who were engineers when I was in, I think it was like a junior in college. And it was like, what am I going to do with my life? What am I actually going to do for a job? I met these three women engineers who were just this powerful story of passion of what they did and mentorship. They mentored me. They helped me get through the hard things. They helped me make the decision that I wanted to become an engineer. And, and so I ended up having a bachelor's degree in biology and business. That doesn't really get you into engineering, but I went into <laughs> graduate school for engineering and they helped me. They were the people I could call and say, oh my gosh, I'm just, this is so hard. And they said, well, you just got a pass. <laughs> you don't have to get an A. Right. Just get through it. Yep. And those mentors I met through the Forest Service. So it was my second government job. I worked as a the USGS doing stream field measurements on water flow in Glacier National Park. That was I'm that like, was that's really pretty cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely was like the I want to be an engineer when I'm doing that. That was fun. And then I ended up meeting my soon-to-be boss and mentor, Anna Jones-Crabtree, when I was waiting tables in a restaurant, she came in and she was talking to her friends about sustainability. And this was before sustainability was like the thing. This was like just like before that that moment. Yep. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's what I want to do. And so I talked to her. I was like, hey, I want, I want to do what you do. Can I meet you for lunch sometime and, and find out what you do? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, actually, I'm hiring an intern. I need a student. I was like, really? She's like, would you want to come and work for me? And I was like, yeah. So I ended up getting to travel across the country and go to different conferences and present sustainability and teach it when I was in college. Like I was just able to be a part of building the sustainability program in the United States Forest Service. And during my time there, my boss, she actually won an award at the White House and she took us with, and I got to go to the White House where she won an award from the Obama administration for her work. 
And it was just really neat to be a part of a team that does something like that. It was like, yep. whoa, I don't know. It was, it was passion. It wasn't like traditional engineering where you're designing, I don't know, culverts or something right. boring. Right, right. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> but I, 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 that was, it was in 2012 when I graduated from college and then I stayed with the Forest Service. I've been with the government for 14 years. And I think that kind of goes back to my childhood, that that instability that I experienced in my family's struggle with health insurance and all the things that come from owning a small business when that's your only source of income. Like I was like, I want that stability. Right. I want to know that I have a paycheck. I want to know that I have a job. I want to know that I can take care of my family indefinitely or whatever it is, just mm -hmm. have that stability. So you said that um, there was stuff about <laughs> your mentor's stories that drew you in. What was it about your, their stories that you were like, that's what I want to be doing? They loved what they did. My boss, she was so passionate. She was energetic. She was just like contagious energy. And she believed in what she was doing. She wanted to make a difference in the world. That was really inspiring. And then the, uh, my other mentor, Sarah Baker, she is also an author. She writes mysteries and romance novels uh, quite successfully. But she's also like this environmental engineer in New Mexico. And our third mentor, uh, Marie, was uh, she's retired now, but she worked at the EPA. And she made her passion a program called Biomimicry. It's where engineering processes mimic natural biology, biological processes that are already happening in the world. And she found that passion and she got to travel the world presenting and teaching other countries, environmental EPA type programs, how to use biomimicry in their, in their, as a part of their organization. She found her passion, but I will tell you, she was my biggest resource when I was in graduate school because she graduated master's in engineering school in the 1970s as a single mom. Wow. And I yeah. was like, she's the only other person I knew who was both a mom and an engineer in grad school. And she did it in the seventies, which makes her even you know, extra right. badass. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. <laughs> but like, as she's talking about the EPA and sustainability and biomimicry and all of these things in it, and I'm like, this is so beyond anything I think about on a daily basis. Ever. Like, but we need her to exactly, be thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's fascinating to me. And now, like, I'm going to go home and be like, hey, Scott, guess what I learned about today? Biomimicry. Do you know what that is? <laughs> it is. So you should totally Google it. There's a biomimicry website. They have really cool uh, videos and just kind of snippets about what it means and, and what, how we integrate it into our world. It's, it's pretty neat. That is neat. See, <laughs> like I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I'm done. I'm good. I'm out. Okay. So like it's uh, literally the wheel. The hamster is running in the wheel right now. So just Sarah can take it. How, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel like, because what you talked about, the first thing that came to my mind when you were said, I'm one of five, I was like, oh, they, that, that creates that sense of team. Right. And then you were like, yeah. And we were a family that we had to bond and band together to get stuff done. Right. Especially when within the family, your mom was dealing with that and had her medical needs and your youngest brother had his medical needs. What do you feel like that prepared you for later on? Oh, that's a good one. It gave me 
a commitment. You don't back down from a challenge and you don't have to do it alone. You can always get help and get resources. My siblings would watch my daughter when I had finals, but then if they needed, but they didn't have kids, actually they still don't have kids, but they would come over and eat or I would feed them or I'd yep. give them rides or, you know, we, we'd help each other out. Yep. It was, it was very much everyone all for one. And yep. so actually I, part of my story was I got through undergrad and graduate school and my, I'm first generation college graduate in my family. And my siblings all said, well, if Heather can do it, then I can too. So oh, they've all awesome. gone through and gotten college, college educations and yep. Our family went from what could have been an extreme poverty at some points when my childhood, and nobody experiences that now in my family. Everyone has stability, and it's neat. Yes, cool. you totally stopped. Like there, you, the, the you didn't cycle create of perpetual the perpetual crisis. Exactly, you didn't create a cycle of economic stress mm-hmm. and things like that. Yes, yes, it's awesome. Wow, I didn't expect it's, that answer. That's I, a really freaking good answer. <laughs> <laughs> So in your journey of like, how did you go from like Montana to traveling the country to somehow finding your way to? Well, and I would imagine like, so here's the story I'm telling myself is to go from little town where Walmart is an hour and a half away to now I'm traveling the world. I would imagine there is a shit ton of limiting beliefs going on Mm -hmm. of like, Who am I to be doing this and all that stuff, all those past childhood stories that could creep in and keep you in fear. So how did you like what were the limiting beliefs that you had to overcome and how did you overcome them? Thank you for deconstructing my like, how did you get from like poverty (laughs) house to successful engineer working at the, you know, (laughs) traveling the world? Uh, Well, when you kind of grow up, I guess growing up in poverty was challenging and a small town was hard, but my family had, it was a, being in the all one for all, all for one kind of mentality. We learned how to be confident that we can do things. We didn't feel like I learned early on. I can do stuff. I can, I can go places. My dad owned a trucking company, so I got to travel the country with him. So that didn't feel intense to travel moving felt like a big deal, like moving or moving different places. So like I've lived in Colorado and up before between Montana and, and North Carolina and it, it confidence, I, I guess it, it comes with experiences. So when I moved out and started college, I, I jumped over this humongous hurdle yes. of, yeah. of fear and got through it and did it. Yeah. And did that gave it? me the confidence. Well, if I can do that. And what I, why can't I do this other stuff. Yes. But like the mitigating factor there, right, is that when you become a mother, like the immediately there's the choice of I can be scared all the time or I have to just live and take care of this other human being. So like that's something where when we look at our collective experiences and our individual experiences and we're trying to understand how somebody else can accomplish and doing the comparison things in our head, like the difference was that you already had this other human that depended on you, right? Like I, I think back of my college, like at that age and God forbid, like it's a great thing (laughs) that I did not have babies until I had babies. You know what I mean? Like I was completely not, I would not have, would not be sitting here today. 
right? Like I, and I know enough about myself to know that, right? I mean, it could have been different, but. Well, and what I think what I love what you said, Heather, is that you grew up in a family that, yeah, you may have been struggling economically, but you are not struggling as far as worth, Mm -hmm. you know, and you were always told and raised of the mindset of all for one and we're in this together and we're equally as worthy, we're equally Mm -hmm. as valuable. We can do whatever we put our mind to. So I love that your surrounding externals, because that's all that it is, like money is an external, house that you live in is external, medical stuff is all external, is that your family culture did not allow externals to steal away or rob your actual worth as a human and steal away that confidence of like, you can do whatever you want. You can do it like you're determined. Like it was no question. Like you just do it. Yes. And that is the difference is that your culture allowed that within your family. No one's put it quite that way. That's really cool. And I, I'm excited to actually share this with my family because it's a good thing to hear. But thank you. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So my daughter has several learning disabilities. And I'll say being a parent and learning how to support your kids is was even was another layer of challenge in my life when I was trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. So, you know, I, I was... 21 or 22, and I'm going to meetings with six different resource specialists at the elementary school trying to figure out why is my daughter walking on her toes and why is she bouncing off the walls and why can't she read? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and learning how to be a parent of, of a child who has learning disabilities is definitely more, you have to be really engaged. You can't take a back seat. I just feel like a shout out to parents who who are going through right now the COVID-19, stay at home, work from home, take care of kids. I've got got two step kids and my daughter and got three teenagers and two with ADHD and one with autism. And so it's like, it's chaos in my house. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's trying to work and get stuff done and everybody's on a different device and everybody like, yeah. You have the child that doesn't stop making noises. I don't know. Does anybody else have that at home? Because I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is currently um, in another room here. <laughs> studio. <laughs> not, not making noise at home. But he's making noise in this private room where the doors are closed. <laughs> so I have a question for you because I never associated engineering with environmental health science. So this is like totally eye-opening and very cool to me. What has been the most exciting project that you've worked on and has been most passionately filled you up? I worked at the VA hospital in Durham for two and a half years. And during that time, there was such an incredible sense of purpose when you get to be connected to both serving the veterans and like in a related place. So you're there and you can give them, you're required to give directions or help them get to where clinic they are. You always stop and say hi and that kind of community. When I was at the VA, I got to be a part of building a hospice unit, a brand new hospice unit that they, they have opened up over there. And it was such a rewarding experience to know that you get to be a part of creating a space that families can go to and have peace with their loved ones as they're going through those final moments in life. And so that was just a really strong, it was really rewarding to know that making life better and not the experience of life better. Yeah. Well, and I think too, the experience of the end of life, 
Like it, that's such a profound gift of being able to be with somebody in their last moments. And so you creating that space for that, like, yes, I can totally empathize and, and feel that. Like I feel that energetically. Mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But it was not like the easiest project ever. So like the contractors built this, it's a steel structure and they put it up and they got all this steel up and I look at it and I'm like, it's cr- it looks crooked. Like, why is it angled? So they're like, oh, it's not that bad. And I was like, no, it's, it's if not it's bad. If it's noticeable to <laughs> the eye, got... that's bad. <laughs> that's so bad. Like, even eye. though, like, the engineer may have a little more so, discerning eye, like, if it's noticeable. <laughs> this could be a problem. Right. Yes. So I was like, and look, it's just super crooked. What's wrong? They, it was it was really funny because by the time we, it took a couple months to figure exactly out how to fix it and what to do. But they ended up, like, releasing one point and it was, like, it basically, like, snapped back into place. Wow. But just like wow. Boing, <laughs> went perfectly back into alignment and <laughs> then they kept on building. <laughs> it was wow. really funny. Like, well, it's just crooked. Okay. So <laughs> I totally love that because like, did you hear what she just said? She was like, they found this one pinpoint, yeah. snapped it like, and released it and, and everything went boom. into alignment. Yes. Like if that is not related to business and life in general of like one thing can be out like one bolt. Mm-hmm. can be out and it can throw everything out of alignment, but mm-hmm. you snap that bolt back in correctly and everything goes into alignment and it moves smoothly. Like, mm-hmm. shoot. That's like a metaphor for life though. Yes. Right? Like anything yes. can have like that one, it can be twisted and turned yep. on a, on an angle. Yeah. Yep. That's a great life theme. Listeners, yes. take that. Look at what <laughs> is making your house crooked. Yep. Figure out the pinpoint that you need to snap it back into place. Yep. And the whole thing goes into alignment. I freaking Mike drop. I think we're done for the day. <laughs> there it is. No more podcasting. We're done. Like we can't. We can't top that. Alignment. <laughs> Our title sponsors for this show are Diane Kinlaw and Jamie Tulak. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or wish to refinance, why not seek the counsel of a friend who happens to know the triangle housing market better than the back of her hand? As your local lender, Diane Kinlaw knows how important this area is to you because it's her home too. That's why she's made it a goal not to just be the best loan officer around, but a community leader supporting small businesses with referrals and networking events and supporting local charities with frequent fundraisers. If you're looking to move to Holly Springs or the surrounding area, or maybe interested in a refinance to lower your term or rate, Diane offers a wide array of programs to fit your family's needs. Let her be a part of your path home. A home doesn't have to be a dream. Let Diane make it a reality. You can contact us at www.goprime.com and search for Diane or call 919-624-9541. GoPrime Mortgage Incorporated, company NMLS number 69551. Diane Kinlaw, NMLS number 1600777. GoPrime is an equal housing opportunity lender. Today's show sponsor, Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty, has a passion for serving clients and nearly a decade of industry experience as a top producing realtor and designer. Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty will help you reach your real estate goals. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, or renting in today's market, having an experienced real estate expert working for you is crucial. And don't forget to ask her about her hometown heroes credit for military, police, firefighters, teachers, and medical providers. Contact Jamie Tulak today at 559-707-1913. That's 559-707-1913. MRP certified. 
also would love to hear from you because uh, all of your mentors, if I'm understanding that correctly, are all women. But when I think of engineering, I think of a male dominated field. You think of men with short sleeve button down shirts and pocket protectors. <laughs> or can I, can I call you? Put um, protractors in their pockets. So can I tell you my favorite engineering joke? And this will, this is actually some scary true. Do you know the difference between an extrovert and an introvert engineer? No, the extrovert engineer is looking, looks at your shoes when they're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I graduated, I mean, like I was in engineering school. I was often the only female in my classes. I had only a few other, on occasionally there would be others in my classroom, but not, not a lot. Women have a tendency to go into the environmental side because it's, it kind of also falls into that nurturing. You want to take care of nature. You want mm-hmm. to nurture the, the earth and take care of it. So that's, that's common. But even now, like at NIH, I'll go into a meeting with 30 people and I'm the only female. What is that experience is like kinda, for you? Kind of lonely sometimes. Like it feels like you're definitely like, you have to perform a little different. So there's a higher expectation because the females aren't typically in these roles. So you have to be even better. You have to perform at a higher level. You have to be better than what you're expecting what other male engineers might be expected to do. Yeah. You, to have to, you, always, have to, you always have to work twice as hard to do the same, to get this, to have the perception that you've done the same work. Right. I, that's yes. But it can be really rewarding because there's not, I don't know. The guys are fun. They love what they do. So it's, I like working with the maintenance. They're blue kind of blue collar. They know what they do. And so that's, it's fun to be a part of it, that team where I'm at now. And part of what I really love in my job right now is I work really close to my house and I've got flexible work schedule and I can go pick up my kids and all that kind of stuff. So it's been kind of cool because this job gives me the work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Great transition to work-life balance because I feel like at this point, you're kind of like a pro at it. I mean... You had a child all throughout. But it's even more than that. Her, her, your entire life has been about obligation, life balance, responsibility, life balance. Right. With, you know, being five children, you know, four siblings. Caring for others. Exactly. And and balancing a mom with special needs and a a, a sibling. Girl, you were trained for this. Like you were born (laughs) for this shit. Since nine years old. You're a pro. Does it. I can't wait though till all my kids are grown up. Right. Like, I was I'm really like, excited to have yes. the house to myself. Yes. Right. And then she's like, okay. I, Well, that was gonna be my question is like, do you ever get prize. tired? And are you ever like, Okay, I'm tired of that being my role. I wanted to redefine what my role is. I don't want that to be my role anymore. Do you ever feel that way? I, I have. There have been moments where I felt that way and then I don't know, just find the things that make you happy in what you're doing. You have to take a break sometimes. I don't, I love my kids, but I take lots of breaks from them. Because yeah. if I don't, I would, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, I'd murder them in their sleep or yeah, something. Yeah, I tell people so, well, it's good to miss your children. <laughs> it is. Like, if you don't miss your children, if you don't allow yourself the opportunity to miss your children, you don't get to experience that moment of pure bliss when you get to be reunited right. again. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think something that's really cool to, like, since the COVID thing, like, one of the ways that Dom and Heather have um, managed to mitigate the fact that they aren't able to go outside and like go out to restaurants and like, cause they're very good at like the whole date night and, and all that stuff is they actually built a bar in their garage. 
<laughs> so they could walk out of the house, walk out of the house, and have date night. Oh my gosh, I need to hear more about this. Please tell me. Okay, more. okay, okay. So we have like four bedroom house, three kids. Like it's just there's no privacy. It's all just life, right? right. Everyone's in the same So we said. That was a couple of maybe a month ago. It's like, oh my gosh, we just need a date night. We need to get away. And so we put the ping pong table up in the garage and put the workbench up and turned it into a bar and put the TV out there and watched old Hurricanes games and played <laughs> ping pong and drank bourbon. <laughs> yep. And Dominic did it H and D speakeasy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He- <laughs> and Kane's Lounge or something. Like it was fit. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love that. So he's a former chef, which has been fun. Our food in our house has been ridiculous lately. I'm not going to lie. Like when I'm like, oh, when you look back, I'm like, if only, God forbid my husband and I, like anything happens to him. But I was like, if it does, I'm marrying somebody who is a chef, a former massage therapist and like former like actual therapist, like Mm -hmm. mental health therapist. I'm like, because then I can get my back rubs. I can have my private chef in my home and it has a high emotional intelligence. Like, that's actually why I, that's why I'm with Dom. Yes. <laughs> I met him in Colorado and we're long distance. So that's kind of a cool story. So Dom and I met in Colorado where I was uh, working for a service in a town called Glenwood Springs, just right outside of Aspen. Um, beautiful area. That was really fun. But it's expensive. So I waited tables a couple of nights a week to kind of balance the cost of living, the bills thing. And the restaurant was actually opening a location in North Carolina and got hired to be the executive chef the North Carolina one. He came out for training. We met. The bar manager said, you need to go out with Dom. Dom, you need to go out with Heather and go get a beer later or whatever. And we did. And, you know, a year later, we was like long distance dating and so it's a lot of in North Carolina. Why not? Like, the, did the research and research triangle, this area is awesome. Mm-hmm. I was really excited to move here and I decided I'd be really happy here even if Dom and I didn't work out. But I picked him because he has emotional intelligence. Yeah, the chef thing helps too. Yes, I love it. <laughs> no, and, but yeah, yeah, emotional. Picking somebody, getting married in your 30s, that was kind of, you get to think about what you actually want different than when I was in my 20s. Yep. It just totally. wanted somebody who was emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And he is. I, I can speak to that too, is it? Because he's a friend too. And it's like, we'll be talking, be like, well, I have to talk to Heather. And like, it's been natural, like, yeah, they are like very connected, very much like team. it's a team. It's Unity. a partnership. It's yeah. very united. Yeah. Yeah. So love it. I appreciate that about you guys. Well, see, I have emotional intelligence now. He's gotten to that point. Yeah. So maybe I just need to like have him take cooking classes. Yeah. There you go. Certified in massage therapy. <laughs> have him work with Diane. Diane can teach him about the massage, you know. And then I'll be like, honey, I have molded you. Right. The three of us can go hang out. There you go. Right, the three of us can go hang out in the speakeasy while Matt goes in with Dom and Scott to yes. go learn about cooking. Yeah, you should come over to the speakeasy. I am yeah. loving this plan as right? it unfolds. Yes, like and then we can just sit and hang, <laughs> and the guy and the guys can teach Matt. To, I mean, my husband's an excellent cook as well, and so like, but Matt can go take some lessons and and I got to give it to Matt. He does good. He follows the recipes and he because he does. Yeah. 90% of our cooking so he does yeah. good but in my mind I'm like oh a professional chef with, like, mm-hmm. exotic oh no things. like it's it's like it's a step Ooh, up I know yeah. and that's what Scott says too because he's like 
I'm just not creative. Like he's an yeah. excellent cook, but he's like, I'm just not creative because we'll like he and Dom will be like texting or whatever. And he'll be like, oh, I wish I could like think to make those things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, like we had oxtail tacos. <gasps> oxtail barbacoa. Oxtail I heard there was enough leftovers. It's like being at Food Network at your house, man. Like, it is. That's it awesome. was well, uh, mole. It was Cinco de Mayo was ridiculous. We ended yeah. up cooking the entire day. <laughs> it yeah. was super fun. <laughs> but we had like chicken, Street pinga, corn. and pork, and mole. And, yeah. That's Bar- awesome. Oxtail bar-, bar. But that was off the chain. Oxtail barbacoa. Barbacoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plantains. And- I don't know. Yeah, and Dom and I were talking about that too, because when I moved back from Syracuse to DC and I worked in where I was working was a very high West African population and Caribbean population. And so we would have, you know, potlucks or whatever at work and culturally, like being culturally aware and being sensitive is rude to not take something like when, when they bring, everybody brings a dish, like you're, you have to take from everybody's dish. dish. And I don't like curry. (laughs) <laughs> so that is a problem for me eating West African and, and West Indian and Caribbean food. <laughs> so, but I would to be, to be nice. And they would a lot of times bring like ox and goat and I would like, I'm <laughs> and I, I do appreciate like it, it reinforced to me that I don't like curry, but the <laughs> ox and the goat were actually like tasty, like the way that they were cooked and, yeah, I will try things outside my comfort zone. There you go. Sometimes, unless I really know that I don't like it. <laughs> Can't make me eat it. Are you ready for our lightning round? Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you Sorry. believe it happened already? That's no, fast. I can't. That was fast. Too I, fast. I feel like, uh, yeah, that was too fast. All right, so as you know, we do things called, we do something called the lightning round here. And we will ask you questions, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Right. What is the impact you want to have on the world? Ooh, it's a sustainability thing. I want to make, I want to be part of making sure the world continues to be a good place to live, protecting the environment. Okay. How do you measure success? Happiness. Measure success by happiness. If you feel confident and happy and know that you're doing what is good, that is success. That's how I define it. Because I think about I want my kids to be successful. What do I define my kids to be successful when they grow up? To me, that means they're happy. They're, they enjoy what they do and they're, they're good at it. They have passion. But that, that to me is how I would define success. Mm-hmm. I know. I like that answer. Okay. What is the best advice you have ever been told? Mm. The best advice I've ever been told. When I got became a stepmom and I had two kids that were going through a lot of challenges, saw a therapist and I was like, how do we, how do we do this? She gave us some really good advice because we struggled with meltdowns and tears and all that kind of stuff that happens when you go through a big family change. And she gave us a quote, you are loved, you are safe, and you are enough the way you are. And that mantra has gotten our family through so many ups and downs and meltdowns and tears and 
just all of it. Like telling my kids that it just can be really reaffirming to them when I just say it mm-hmm. and it's, it's made a huge difference in our life. Yep. I love that. Mm-hmm. I've done that with my kiddos in the early years where they were having those tantrums. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, you are safe. You are loved. You are enough in the middle of their tantrum. And if I just had to say it over and over again, well, they were, I would be like, get it out. You are safe. You are loved. Like do your thing. Mm-hmm. Release all those. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sometimes I need to hear it too. Yes. I I think it's actually good for everybody. Yes. I was going to say, we stopped saying that to ourselves. And now that you just said it, I'm like, well, they haven't had tantrums, so I haven't said it to them, but I still need to be saying it to them, not just in their hardest moments. Yeah. And I need to start incorporating some of that now because, you know, we're at the phase where like, I'll be very stern and firm with Samantha and then she'll start crying and be like, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, I didn't fucking hurt your feelings. I just said no. And then I have to like check myself and be like, it's, a, I'm sorry. I did not mean to hurt your feelings. I love you. But sometimes mommy has to say like, yep. there's a boundary. I can love you and not the naughty exactly. things you do. Right. Yes. I can love you and not want you to, you know, jump on the bed when I'm asking, when I have a headache and ask you not to jump on the bed. Right. You fucker. Exactly. <laughs> right. <sighs> I'm telling you. Yeah. And this, this quarantine has like brought to light all of the things that I love most about my children and the things that I want to like literally just like crawl into a hole and ignore. Yes. I just had that conversation (laughs) yesterday and this morning with Matt because I was like, oh my God, this quality that Landon is exhibiting triggers the hell out of me because it is a quality I cannot stand in humans. Like I'm all about ownership and take personal responsibility and he is not. Right. He has not learned that skill set. And it's this morning I was joking with my husband. I'm like, he doesn't get it for me. And Matt's like, <laughs> I know, I know, I own it. It's me. It's me. You know what I mean? Because it's taken our marriage for my husband to learn mm-hmm. that skill. But I'm like, oh my God, the eight year old's making me crazy. Oh my God. It's, yeah. It's another level. Because it triggers my fear of, oh my God, is he going to grow up? To be a sociopath, yes. Or be a kid who never (laughs) takes ownership, who's blaming everybody. He's going to end up an addict and homeless on the street. That is uh, what I, like, it scares me. (laughs) It's because we know too much. It is. (sighs) But literally, he like, Lennox is like, why did you hit me? And I'm like, Landon, did you hit him? And he's like, he was annoying me. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what he's doing. The answer doing. is yes or no. Did you or did you not hit him? But and he then doesn't no. take personal no. responsibility. And he's like, it's your fault, Lennox, because you annoyed me. And I was like, no, you made the choice to respond me, yeah. in an inappropriate, but he won't. And so then I'm just getting triggered more and more and more. Because and more. then it becomes a power <laughs> struggle. And he's like, I'm not going to admit that I was wrong. Screw you. You can't get the better. And, and I'm it's, telling yeah. you, I don't like that quality in humans. It makes me crazy. It does. I get that. <laughs> Sorry. I totally get that. We digress. That's All right. the start of that's the start of a lot of challenges in my house, too. <laughs> it's good to know we're not alone. No. no. And no. remember, everyone listening, you are safe, you are loved, you are and you are enough, just yes. the way you are. Yes. <laughs> Even my son, you will learn it. We love you. I know. It's just like, do you have, yeah. And our mantras are like, my- um, no, our mantras are like, feelings are neither good nor bad. They just are. Mm-hmm. And if whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Like, those are our, like, consistent mantras. Like, if you keep saying you can't do something, you're not going to be able to, dude. Like, you're training your brain. Right. Right. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. My That's my pet peeve is the I can't. Mm. Like, that's the one that I'm like, <laughs> guess you can. Stop telling yourself. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. What would your theme song be? Oh, 
uh, journey, I guess. Never stop believing. Yes. Don't stop baby. believing. I like that one. Yes, I love that. It's like that one of is. my all-time favorite songs. It puts me in a good mood every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. It does. I, I, me too. Yeah. yeah. All right, so finish the sentence. If you were not doing uh, being an engineer, what would you be doing? I would be a... Oh, I don't know. You just kind of like do something for so long you think that's what you're going to do. I have a journey in my career. So like right now I'm an engineer and I I have a big hairy audacious goal to move into a little more of a leadership role instead of government. I feel like a lot of government agencies I've worked for met several, I think four or five now. And I recognize that all of these agencies do good things and for the country. And it's great that they exist and the, the services they provide are really important. The Forest Service protecting our national forests and watersheds is very important. The take care of the veterans is also important. And the research that NIH is doing right now is critical for us to getting out of this quarantine COVID-19 stuff. And you have to have people that, who communicate and share their story and advocate with us. Congress. So I kind of have a vision that someday my career is going to morph into a, a more of a leadership role, whether it's like political, an elected official, or just as a leader inside of the government from working from the inside. But I, that's what I kind of want to morph. Awesome. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. Yeah. I don't want to start all that until after my kids are out of the house. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that it can be aligned with your, mm-hmm. your, your life vision. Yep. Yep. I love it. All right. What do you geek out about? What do I geek out about? I'm like, give her a problem. Give her some really uh, complex like, math problem you, right now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Where's my husband? Because I don't. I'm the one that I'm like. I don't want to use a calculator. I'm Can like you just twenty four times thirty six divided by fifty two. What? <laughs> totally kidding. I'm, I'm like, where's my that. piece of paper? Yes. yes. What did you say? Where do I have to use that parentheses thing? What was that thing called? <laughs> Okay, last question. What keeps you up at night? Probably fear of loss of family, loss of the people around you. That would be the thing that kind of just, that's like the, I think I've gone through a lot of things in my life that just left that sense of, if I were to have a fear, that would be it. Okay. Awesome. Um, Well, Heather, thank you so much. For taking your time today, taking time out of your day. What am I saying? Yes. Thank you for correct. taking time out of your day to spend with us and girls who do stuff. <laughs> we appreciate Thank you for the stuff you're doing. Show. Yes, yes. Yes. This is wonderful. And I can't wait till you have a live event. Right. Us that. too. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yes. And thank you for inspiring that idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're doing awesome stuff, so. <laughs> Thank you for being an awesome girl, girl do who stuff. do stuff. Yes. yes. <laughs> How can our listeners uh, connect with you? I am on LinkedIn and Instagram. I don't know how much I post, but I post some things. Mm. Thank we you, can Heather. put your LinkedIn. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy mm. the rest of your day and yep. hang in there. Remember your mantra for the rest of COVID. You are safe. And enjoy your, <laughs> your date nights in the garage. <laughs> I'm very excited. We're going to do some socially distanced gathering in the speakeasy. I'm very excited. Looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yes. So I thank you all for listening to the, this has been the Girls Who Do Stuff. And I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do you, you boo. boo. 
We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 